Hello, residents of Meepletown. This is Dean. Johnny Seatwarmer. And today we're going to be talking about Earth. We're going to be sharing some of our favorite two-player games in different categories. So thanks for joining us for episode 124. All right, residents of Maple Town, if you were here right now, you would see Dean beginning the podcast, looking around for his security blanket, not finding it. He's forlorn, introspective, wistful, thinking back on the good old days of Maple Town past, but, but, whoa, but wait, there's a transformation coming over him. He's gone back to the closet. He's rethinking the wardrobe. He's putting on some vividly colored moth-eaten cabana wear. That's interesting. He's grabbing a blue... Oh, powder blue leisure suit jacket. Polyester, it's got to be. Wow, those are some serious lapels there. Before our very eyes, he's transforming. No longer Linus from Peanuts. He's morphing into the brash and loud Frank Costanza from Seinfeld. Cue the audio. You know, Frank, you could take a break. No breaks. I feel reborn. I'm like a phoenix rising from Arizona. (laughs) That. Yeah. That was the best. That that is the best intro in all of Meeple Town. Who Johnny? Who? That's who. That's who you should have been, Steve. Is Johnny? No, could have been. Could have been. But I was. I was torn between Johnny Seat Warmer and Johnny Placeholder. <laughs> that is pretty fantastic. Well, as you know, this is not John or Johnny at all. Especially because I've called him Steve, and that would be very awkward if go. I just started calling you a random name. So why don't you tell people? who you are, and why you are Stevie or Johnny Warmer. (laughs) Well, hey, everybody. I'm Steve O'Rourke. I'm a friend of Dean's from online and and games. Uh, You folks, if you're on Facebook at all and in the uh, Chuck's Gateway and Filler Game Group, you'll know me from there. Uh, I'm also the uh, producer of Board Game Gumbo with BJ. Uh, Verla and I produce that. Uh, And our main job there is booking guests and keeping BJ happy, making sure that they're um, are enough green M&Ms in the bowl in the, in the trailer so he doesn't have a fit and uh, destroy things. Uh, kidding, BJ. Um, I'm here taking John's place in a little bit of a bridge. We're in a period of time where Meeple Town's in transition, and Dean's, I think, going to be holding down the fort with some guests like me uh, for a period of time until the next co-mayor of Meeple Town is sworn in, I think, sometime in in the summertime. That's right. That's right. So we're going to have a couple months of different guests on uh, Steve being one of the first ones, honestly, one of the first ones that I thought of uh, who's been a good friend of mine over the past couple of years. Uh, we actually met for the first time, I think on board game gumbo. Is that right? That's probably true. Probably interacting that way. But the first time in person, I think was at PAX. That's right. That's right. And so um, Steve, you've heard us mention Steve's name a ton on the show. Uh, he's been listening to the show for a long time, but mm-hmm. also many people might not know this. I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, but but Steve was a big part of my weight, lo- weight loss journey mm-hmm. as well. Um, the one who had given me the advice on the app to use and 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 mm-hmm. just a good uh, a good friend and, and partner just to, you know, talk through the hard times and um, with along with Topher have been really helpful in that journey. So I'm, I'm very thankful. Well, right back at right back at you and Topher, too. That's been uh, a good journey for both of us to be on. And, and it's um, it kind of is interesting to show that it's doable if you just take your time and have good support and, you know, go nice and easy. It, it gets you there. Yeah, absolutely. OK, so I'm jumping back a little bit. You okay. are with Board Game Gumbo. Uh-huh. And you made a comment of keeping BJ happy. Now, BJ's going to be on the show at some point. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm sorry next, to hear that. In the next couple months. And I need to know, 
you know how how needy is BJ? I mean, am I, oh, oh, this, <laughs> am I inviting the right the wrong person on the show? You told me we were going to try to keep this to forty five minutes. I'm not sure about <laughs> having that conversation right now. The crudités have to be cut just right. Um, the temperature at a certain at, at sixty seven point five degrees. Ah. He, he wants he doesn't want it rounded up. It has to be at the midway point in the trailer. Um, yeah, you you don't want him to have one of those um, spinal tap moments. <laughs> when when things are not right before the show. So my thought is that BJ and John probably should start a show together. John Okay. You know, right there with BJ, I think. John John was very, very needy. Very needy guy. <laughs> uh, jokes aside, BJ's gonna be great. BJ's always great. Yeah. Yeah. No jokes aside for John. Very needy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I deliberately started with BJ and ended with BJ. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so uh, a little format change that we're going to be have going on. So we're going to be talking about games we've been playing. Now, Steve and I played a game, and I'll, I'll get to this in just a minute, but we played a game together online, and so we're actually going to just focus on that one game today. Mm-hmm. And then as the guests come on, we're going to also have a segment of top fives and, and things like that. And so uh, Steve actually uh, came up with the idea of two-player games, but not top five two-player games, but different categories for mm-hmm. two-player games. And I'm going to go ahead and say... So again, talking about just two two things, two player games, and we're talking about Earth is the game that yep. we're going to be sharing about. Steve has written more notes on those <laughs> things than <laughs> the history of Meeple Town combined. All shows combined, you've written more notes, which I very much appreciate. Well, I'm here on break, you know, spring break. I could be doing other work. This is a happy little um, coincidence for me for, you know, giving me something to avoid doing other things that need to get done. I, you know, there's no problem with doing that. There, <laughs> maybe you should just keep coming back to Meeple Town. Is there any way we can, you know, maybe pay, pay you more than what BJ's paying you to come join us? Uh, no, <laughs> well, that, would, that wouldn't be hard. Um, if you paid me at all, you'd be paying me more. I, I, BJ's offering me a 20% raise on zero all the time. Um <laughs> But, you know, I tell you what, why don't we make it so that in case there's ever a, another vacancy, I'll step in and be like regent of some sort and help, you know, you know, govern during the interim. I'll there do we it go. There we go. There we go. OK, so a couple more things about Steve is that he's not just Steve O'Rourke, but he is Steve, a.k.a. the name father, uh, which yeah. is how I first heard of you. And that is from Dukes of Dice, which is no longer around. R.I.P. He loved Dukes of Dice, but but Agreed. tell people how you got that name. I know how you got it. Well, that's one of those things, you know. Um, Dukes of Dice had as their one of their shticks. Um, they named their episodes early on and didn't like it, and they basically ended up crowdsourcing it. So they said what they were going to do the week or so beforehand, and then they put it out to their guild on BGG to say, well, what do you think would be a good title for that? And you give me a word game and let me play. It's going to keep me happy for, for ages. So I started t- contributing to those and started naming a few. And then they named me uh, as opposed to um, me naming myself. So that was a, a little nickname that came up there. And it's stuck since. Um, that's now how BJ introduces me on on Board Game Gumbo, too. So I think that has you know stuck to the point where every now and again, I'll run into somebody at a con and they'll say, is that, wait, is that you? Or <laughs> somebody will pr- send me a, uh, a trade proposal on BGG and say, wait, is this the name father? Really? Okay. The so, Steve O'Rourke. Is small the- fame in a small niche of a small hobby, and that's my that's my claim. So you don't know this about me. I don't think I shared this with you, but I I was an avid listener of Dukes of Dice back in the day, and so I years ago, this was years before Meeple Town even is my guest. 
I would go on and try to name some of those episodes. And I remember early, earlier on of me doing that, seeing this guy, this guy, Steve O'Rourke naming these episodes. And I thought there is no way that I can compete with this guy. <laughs> he's in a, he's in a completely other league than I am. So I just, I gave up, I gave up probably like oh, many no. others. That's, <laughs> I actually would talk with Sean and Alex, Alex more online. I'll talk with Sean every now and again, but I would say at some point, Hey, you know, at some point, do you want to, if I get to a certain number of titles, I'm open to retiring. I'll, I'll you know, step out. I don't want people to feel like it's, you know, everybody versus me. That that wouldn't be fun. But I guess they thought it was all in good spirits. And that was just, again, part of the shtick. Oh, it was a blast. Just, just you know, being a part of that and, and mm-hmm. you know, being involved in those conversations was a lot of fun. And we have listeners here that are, uh, Nick Hayes is a good example who's really yep. involved in that. Who's a, Absolutely. Who's a, uh, a big fan of Meeple Town, but also was very involved in 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 that and and some with uh, with Gumbo, if I if I remember right. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see Nick popping in every now and again. I think. Okay, so I want you. We've mentioned board game Gumbo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about that just for a second before we jump into talking about Earth. But tell us a little bit about what board game Gumbo is. Now I, I've mentioned mm-hmm. it on the show, but I'd like like people to know exactly what's going on and and the schedule and all that good stuff. Well, we're in a bit of a transition now too. Um, there was a period of time where Board Game Gumbo was just BJ um, getting together with people online on Facebook Live and bringing in people from the industry to talk, either you know, game designers, publishers, content creators, and having that happen. And he was doing that on his own and having the chat crew uh, that would be live chiming in. I was watching that and participating in the chat. And as we started participating more in the chat, you know how BJ does. If he sees something in the chat, he'll start talking about it as if you're like right there. So after a while, you know, started being that I was right there all the time. And he said, hey, do you want to come in and start helping out with some of this? Because he was thinking of it becoming a little bit of a load to pay attention to all of that. Run the chat room while I'm, you know, I'm doing this. And then it became, you know, help book the guests and write games for the show that we would play with um, the guest at the end of things. And we had a little bit of a hiatus there and BJ's come back now um, and is doing, began in the last year or so doing just live games on Twitch, bringing people into his new home studio there. Uh, our good friend Jay Bell comes in regularly to the gumbo pot and plays and his his nephews and son sometimes and wife sometimes and folks like Dave Duga and others from, from the area come in and play live. And he was starting, I think, get the itch to come back to mix it in with a live show. Because playing on Twitch was just an excuse to play with your friends and show it to everybody. <laughs> well, now we're going to be changing it so it's going to be every other week. I think we're going to Twitch on Tuesdays. And then the next Tuesday will be the old-fashioned Gumbo Live, where Verla and I and BJ, and sometimes Jay will chime in too, uh, will put together a show with a guest. Uh, and we've got some good upcoming guests lined up too. So we're, we're just starting that this past week um, and back in the swing of things. It's good to have it back. Yeah, and it really, if, if you've been involved in it before, uh, going on there this past week, it really just felt like jumping right back in with old friends is, is exactly what it felt like. I, I think, yeah. and I'm not just blowing smoke um, to you and, and Verla and BJ, but it really is the best live uh, uh, board game event to be a part of. I really believe that. There's so much good yeah. conversation going on, even if you're not watching the show at all. Just having conversations in the sidebars is, is right. pretty fantastic. Completely although, agree. Although the content is also really great. You also have to think about this in terms of John now stepping away. I, I know when BJ stepped away from it for a while, the itch came back. Yeah. So this, I don't know if this is good news or a threat. Uh, John stepping away might be uh, a, a chance to recharge. I know that was the way it was for us. And when we got back and missed it enough, it was time to start doing it again. You're absolutely right. It was just like coming home. 
Yeah, it, you know, John texts me every day and tells me, you know, I'm so glad I left. So maybe it's maybe it's not quite that way for just, no. In all seriousness, John and I still talk uh, really daily about games and you know, just about we have a, a meme thread. John and and myself and another guy that we're friends with that's occasionally listens to the show. And uh, so so yeah, he he might he maybe he'll get the itch back. We'll see. We'll see Never what know. happens. Never know. All right, so we have been playing a game. When I say have been, meaning we met up yesterday online to play this game. <laughs> and we've also each had a separate game of yes. Earth. Uh, yes. So the the background to Earth, Earth is a game designed by Maxime Tardif, if I've, uh, hopefully I said that correctly, who's the designer of Brilliance and Diverse City. Uh, Diverse City, I don't know how exactly mm-hmm. to say that, but it's a very clever name. Uh, so is Brilliance, actually. And this is uh, art by Connor McGoey and mm-hmm. from Inside Up Games. And this just came out. Now, this has been on the hotness list of Board Game Geek for a minute. And I think maybe since the very minute that that Dice Tower did the review of this and just praised it big time. You know, all if I remember right, all the reviewers gave it very high marks. And so... Steve said, let's let's do this. It's on it's on board game arena. Let's let's check this out. In this game, well, I'll just kind of give a, a, a little bit of a, a brief synopsis of the game. It is a tableau builder. Think if you've never seen anything on this, think something like an Arc Nova, like a terraforming Mars, like um, uh, underwater city, something like that. Now I'm not saying it's exactly like those games. But I will compare them at some point, I'm guessing. Sure. But it is in that vein. So you are going to be building a grid of cards, a four by four grid of cards. And it's an action selection game. So you will select between one and four actions, kind of like uh, Puerto Rico, if you played that. The person exactly. who picks the action is going to get a very strong action. And then the other players are going to get a weaker version of that, a very weaker version of that. You'll talk about that, I'm sure, Steve. Very true. And, and then you are going to be with those actions. You'll be able to get cubes out on your board and we'll explain this as we go. You'll get to, to grow your, your tree or whatever it is on your board. You'll get to grow uh, plant cards, um, gain soil, which is like your currency in the game to build it, to put the cards into play. And then if your card after the action has been selected, each of those actions is associated with a color. So if you have cards in your tableau that match that color, they will also trigger. But the interesting thing is you can't trigger them in whatever order you want. It's almost in the vein of like a furnace, I guess, where you have to trigger those in order, top to bottom, left to right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then whoever has the most points at the end of the game, and it is a point salad. You're going to get points for growth from your plants on your card. You're going to get them from your cubes on your card. You'll get them from uh, cards that you have buried or, or uh, composted. Mm-hmm. Right. Think if you played Endless Winter, like when you bury cards, there's other games that do that as well. Uh, you'll get points for those at the end of the game. Points from objectives. Points from if you play in the advanced game, personal objective. If, so there's points all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, did I miss anything in there, Steve? Any, anything? Uh, no, I think you you got it. The the there's a lot to it, and you can feel like you're making points all the time until you look at the end and realize, oh, somebody else made a whole heck of a lot more points than I did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's one that was initially described to me by Kelly, uh, also from our uh, Gateway and Filler Games group, as like a pumped up version of wingspan too and i think you could see that some of that dna in there it's not just it's it's not just that it's a nature themed game but again the tucking of cards and the and the the rows of your tableau being built yeah 
you can definitely see it there. Uh, maybe even more so than those other ones I mentioned. I didn't even think about wingspan, but yeah, the way that they uh, trigger when you take the actions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's first, now we, we played this on board game arena. We're going to do this kind of like a review. Um, mm-hmm. Although we have very little um, experience with this. Like I said, I've got a game, actually two games going on, one with Kelly right now. Mm-hmm. And then the game that we played live yesterday, the live game was the most helpful because we were talking through our turns and, and, yes. and really uh, making sure that we understood all the rules correctly. And I don't always do that in other async games that I'm playing on board game arena. That was interesting because I think when we looked at um, the Paul Grogan um, video on it, he was mentioning that in the rule book, I think they say for your first game for your, what we, again, what we kind of call a pancake game. Um, first pancake out of the pan is never quite, you know, quite golden Brown and lovely uh, for that first game. They actually encourage you to talk it out because there is a lot to each turn and you're sequencing and thinking through where you're going to be placing things does need to grow with practice. So I thought that I agree with you, Dean, that was very helpful to do at least one talky version of the game. It, absolutely. And and I, Steve and I both talked about this. We tend to do that in games anyway, talk through <laughs> our turns, which is um, good, bad, or ugly. It works for us because we both do that. Not everybody appreciates that as much. No, no. But, <laughs> but, but we were even sharing cards that we had in our hands, just like the, the thought process, which I think helped us understand the game more thoroughly. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we don't have a ton of of thoughts on the art and components, specifically the components, but I do want to just touch on that for a little bit. Again, this is from an online play, so we don't have any experience with the with the components. But what did you think of the art that you saw and the and the potential idea of the components? I I really think again, you know, without the tactile version of it, without knowing how those um those sprouts, not the sprouts, the sprouts are the cubes, how the, the trunks and the canopies, because again, one of the things that you can do is build on a card in a way that goes vertical, um, where you're building an actual plant there with, you know, I guess you could think of them as kind of like in um, Takenoko, how you're stacking the bamboo. It's kind of like you're stacking the, the trunks and you put a canopy at the top. Those could be fantastic. They could look excellent. They could have a real great table presence. The problem that I have with this, and this might be a gameplay thing, I might be jumping the gun, so forgive me, Maple Town. Um, when you have that real big presence, that if it goes vertical and you have cards that might need to be moved as part of a tableau, it seems like that could be a little finicky. And if you move things, unless it's really strong on the base, a lot of that stuff could be tumbling and have to be rebuilt a lot. I feel very confident I would at least knock one of those. Some of those are going to stack up to four or five, six, I think is the highest. I that think I saw we saw sixes. Yeah. That's going to be tall. Yeah. Yeah. When you put the, when you put that topper on, it makes it even taller because that, that last heavy. little cap. Yeah. Yeah. And top heavy. That's right. That's right. Now, again, this is without experience and I haven't even read any reviews on this to see if this is an issue for people. Um, and it couldn't, it, it might not be, I will say this on top of that, it might make it difficult to read some of the cards as well. If mm-hmm. you have some cards, yes. because again, once you put them in your tableau, they are stuck. They're, they're staying there because you have to go in a specific order from that point on. So you have Correct. to plan all that out. So if at the bottom of your tableau, you have some very high, uh, high growth, it's possible that it's going to block some of the text on the sure. other cards. Now it's not like it's, you know, a, a two inch by two inch block or anything like that. They're, they're pretty no. small, uh, stackable 
disc that and it, it seems like they stack it's not just like stacking wooden disc on top of each other but they're actually made to stack on yeah that's again where i think it's probably like the takenoko where there's some kind of little you know insert that goes into the piece above that holds it in place i, I playing on bga where you have the permanent above view um made it pretty smooth but i i could see that being a bit a bit potentially problematic at the table I was surprised when you said that there were some reviews that said that the components in the production were perhaps a little less than sterling, because to me, I saw that art and I thought this is really going to pop at the table. Now, it is kind of photorealistic art. So if you're getting nature and you're expecting the beautiful paintings that you would see in Wingspan, um, you're not going to have that. You'll have something that looks like the exact scene that you're supposed to be looking at. I don't have a problem with that. But if people wanted a more, you know, painterly, artistic view of things, maybe that was something that people weren't so pleased about, or perhaps it was cardstock or who knows what. But for me, I think that has an awful lot of potential to be really pretty stunning at the table. Yeah, and and I haven't seen a ton of reviews on this other than uh, Dice Tower. I watched. I didn't even watch the whole review of that. Mostly just the scores that they gave. But some of the issues that I did see were about the art. I don't mm-hmm. know about the components. But in the same way that people had issues with Ark Nova, uh, people with Earth said that the box cover for Earth is beautiful, and it is. And funny enough, I was going through some pictures not that long ago, Steve, at at uh, PAX. When did we go? Twenty. 2021 2020 must have been 2021 because i didn't go in 20 oh that's right yeah oh there there was a pandemic during that time i guess yeah yeah (laughs) i almost forgot um so 2021 they had the box there and i actually took a picture multiple pictures of all the components in the box and i didn't even remember this until i saw these pictures the other day interesting and i was like oh yeah I remember how beautiful that box was. And I just looked at the picture. And, and so I think that was some of the issue is that people don't like stock photos. Now, here's the problem with a game like this, with a game like uh, Wingspan. Now, Wingspan is a little bit different because you do have art for all of those birds. But I cannot imagine that would have been cheap, uh, is mm. my guess. I, I would imagine. And the art is absolutely stunning. It's, it's beautiful. The artists were phenomenal for that game. Completely agreed. But... For a company not named Stonemeyer, it might be difficult to be able yeah. to get that kind of that kind of art uh, in a, in a project like this with so many cards. So I don't fault them, and in fact, I I'm more than okay with it. I think it looks fantastic. Fair point. Seems to me like that might be in five years a deluxe edition, if it really takes off. Yeah. They may they may do something along those lines with perhaps upgraded components and maybe then doing some specialized, you know, you know, get the artists involved and, you know, create a, a new version of 2.0 that everybody wants. It could be, or it could be like, you know, the deluxe version of Terraforming Mars where everything was deluxified except the art, which further made fans <laughs> upset, but. <laughs> could be, could be. And I don't love the art on Terraforming Mars, but I just, I, I'm okay with it. If the game is, if, if it's fun with this many cards, I, I guess I get it. I understand why the, those right. choices have to be made. Okay, but the gameplay. Let's talk about that for a little bit. What do you think of the gameplay? I thought that the gameplay was pretty smooth once we got past a first round or two. Um, There is a lot of iconography. There's a lot to keep track of. And we talked about this as we were playing through it. No no single rule is hard to wrap your head around. There's just a lot of them. That's right. Um, So the sequencing of things, the... um, the choices that you make, I could see where it could 
take someone who's a bit prone to analysis paralysis some time to really decide where they want to place things in their tableau because that really matters. Um, you might have to constantly be rereading the objective cards like we were doing, saying, well, what do I need to get for these things? How many have I got? Count it up again, what you do or don't have in your tableau. Weighing the cards in your hand, um, thinking, what do I compost? What do I keep? And then it really ends up being largely, to me, a resource collection and conversion game. Mm-hmm. You right. are trading everything for everything. You can trade soil, which you said is um, the equivalent of gold or money in the game. Uh, you use that to buy and, or essentially buy the right to plant your cards. But you can then trade that in for other things. And the sprouts that are the cubes that you can put on some cards can be converted back into growth, which could be converted back into soil, which could be... Com- There's an awful lot of a built-in market at the bottom of each of those cards where I think you could really get bogged down in choices about, is this worth it for me to do? Aside from that, though, I don't think it was a hard learn. Um, We talked about this, too. And sometimes on BGA, you think, um, well, the game knows how to play itself. I can show up and just play. Right. Um, And I have been calling those kind of lately, you know, flail and fail. Uh, you You get in there, you button mash, and you see what happens, and you realize by the end of the game, you weren't really playing the game everybody else was playing. That was more my my first game with um, Kelly and Keith. <laughs> but if I actually invested in the time in watching a video, I could see where this has some good appeal. It's a fun game. I would. I, it's a game that I think I would enjoy playing more as I played more versions of it. Yeah, and you know we didn't struggle through this. And again, this no. is watching both of us watch the Paul Grogan video, which is phenomenal, and I highly recommend that if Agreed. you're if you're interested in this game, which. I can say that about a lot of a lot of videos that Paul's done. He's just he's phenomenal. Very true. But I don't think at first if you if you jump into this game without reading the rules, the iconography can seem very daunting, and it's not. It really is not. I think the iconography is done really well. There's not at first glance there's a lot of iconography, but there's really not. There's there's growth, there's the cubes, there's the you know, the, the compost. And I think the composting, there's different, either you compost from your hand or you compost from That's the, the only icon that I had troubles with initially was whether, whether it was coming from your hand or from the deck and BGA does it for you. So again, we didn't have troubles with that. Exactly. One, one turn really will change that. I think, especially if you've got the physical copy and you're actually, you know, doing that yourself, I think that makes a big difference, but I don't think that this was a, a tremendously difficult game to learn. Although at first glance, it, it can feel that it might be as heavy heavy as like a, a terraforming Mars or underwater cities. And I would say this is not at all in the same weight of, of either of those. It's, it's probably more in the wingspan. I think it's, I think it's maybe a wingspan plus in terms of, yeah. of rules overhead. Um, for someone who's played a lot of games, this would not be a hard game to get into because you'll see some of those echoes of other things. This is not a gateway game. This is something that would be uh, for a new person who might be attracted to it, kind of like they've heard about this game called Wingspan and it's easy to er to get and learn. This could be a real turnoff for someone who sees all of that iconography and decides, I don't know that I have the time to invest in learning this. Um, So I would would be careful with this as a first play for relatively new gamers Um, and, and treat it like a, you know, like like you know, like we say, treat it like a pancake. Talk it out and walk it through, and maybe even make it you know play open with your hand um, to make sure that people can see it happen. 
I agree with that. Now, we'll wrap up and kind of give some of our final thoughts in just a second. Mm-hmm. I did want to share one more thing. We mentioned multiple times the, the order of the, the cards in your tableau and how they have to trigger in order. I don't always love that in games. In fact, I mentioned Furnace. It, it, it has a little bit of that. Furnace can be a very punishing game based on how you put your cards in your tableau. If, if you plan poorly, you probably will lose that game. I do think that Earth is a lot more forgiving in that. The, the order matters. For sure it matters, but it doesn't always matter as significantly as you might think it would. Yes. I think I, not having played Furnace, I agree with everything else you said about Earth. Um, you may you may create a suboptimal move for yourself by how you place things. Correct. But I don't think you ruin your move necessarily by how you place it because you will still get things. You'll just maybe get a little bit less of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I did, it did happen to me a couple of times where my very first card that was going to trigger was you have to pay a cube to be able to get growth or something like that. Well, mm-hmm. I might not have cubes on my board, but my next action is to get cubes. And so right. there is some of that happen, but it won't always happen every time it triggers because you would have already had cubes built up from the previous turn. So. And another thing that will change with that is that, that you have some chances to potentially fix that with how you place cards later. Because as this is, again, one of the things that I think could be a little bit difficult on the table, you're allowed to build diagonally adjacent or orthogonally adjacent to any card that you've placed. So you can go at a kind of diagonal up and to the left and move as you're placing more cards and have those be the ones that trigger more early. The difficulty with that is as you add to the tableau, you might decide, oh, I was going to be building out to the left. Now I'm going to build out to the right and I'm too close to the board. I either need to move the board or shuffle the cards over and move them all in en masse. That could be a little bit challenging at the table. Yeah, I, I agree. You'd have to have this. This would probably be a table hog. And that's that's part of the reason because you might have to completely shoot. agree. Uh, just to go back to it, I don't you know, you have four choices at the start of each round. If you're the player, you can plant a card. And that will get you soil and cards on the table. You can compost cards, which will gain you soil and put cards into a point that give you vict- a pile that give you victory points. You can water that puts cubes on some of your cards and also gain soil. You're always getting money somehow in this game. Uh, or you can grow, which adds cards to your hand and dr- and yeah. grows the trunks and canopies on some of your cards. Those are the four choices. Um, how they play out over the game makes the game very different for each person's tableau. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm I'm interested in hearing your yeah. final thoughts, Steve. I, you've you've shared some of them in the notes, and I'm uh, I'm curious if, if the more you've thought of, of, of um, this over the past kind of, day, have your thoughts changed on this? They haven't changed, but I think my philosophy on a lot of these games is that there I kind of think there are kind of two kinds of games: games that you like more as you play them more, and games that you like less as you play them more. This I think is one that would potentially, you know, uh, obviously now pun completely intended, grow on me. Um, <laughs> But I think there are some things to be considered about whether I would get the game or continue to play it on BGA. The game does all of the maintenance for you on BGA, including what would be rather lengthy scoring at the end of things. Um, Given that it could be rather fiddly to deal with on the table and a bit of a table hog, perhaps to both set up, take time, and break down, certainly to take a lot of time, Mm. I don't see me getting this game if I know I can play it for free on BGA. And I think um, that kind of, I, I would have to do kind of like a split rating here, perhaps, you know, old Dukes of Dykes days. I'm going to be, I'm going to be Sean and give a split rating on this. Um, <laughs> I think I would probably say it's a seven or a seven and a half on the BGA implementation. And it might grow over time into the eight range out of 10. 
Um, but I think in person, it would probably lose about a point to maybe six and a half or seven because the payoff of the game is good, but the upkeep in running it would reduce some of that positive negative value for me. I do think it's good. I think it works. I think the theme, I applaud them for trying the theme. I think there are some points where it feels a little bit forced. Why does watering give you soil? Um, and the actions, three of them are things you can do, but the last one of growth seems like something that just happens. <laughs> why, why would you take sprouts that have just started growing and pull them up and trade them in for some of it doesn't quite ring true, but <laughs> it's a good game and you can see where it works. It's smooth. It's not terribly interactive and I don't mind that. I'm okay with single player, uh, multiplayer solitaire. Um, I think it's a very good game. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, on the flip side of that, I do think some of the cards are, are pretty interesting. So I had a bamboo card where mm-hmm. the bamboo card was, was very expensive, but it gave me just straight up a one time 10, 10 growth, I think. So I could put yes. up 10 growth on all across the board, which was really cool. And, you know, bamboo grows super fast. And so it makes sense that that would be the, that would be the case. From card to card, I think they got the theme better. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was another one that I had that was like an old growth forest. And that was big money to put out because you, it was going to take a lot of soil. It was like 14 soil to put that card out. Again, consistent with the idea that this had to be growing for a long time to get there, but it rewarded you for all your trees in your tableau. Um, you know, the, your tree colony, if you've, if you've you know, built that up, it makes sense that those, those would echo in points. So I think that was good. But I'm, I was grateful that BGA did all the scoring at the end. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Very true. So I'm going to, I'll give some brief thoughts here. A, a couple of positive things that I have. I, I love Tableau Builders. If you, if you know me, I've got several in my top 10, 15 games. And so this, this game is up my alley. I really, uh, Terraforming Mars, Arc Nova Wingspan, all of those are, are games that I absolutely love. Everdell. This one is, in, is a little bit unique in that it really is just the cards. There's not a mm-hmm. board aspect to this, making it that, that, layer of simplicity a little a little simpler than like an arcanova where when you add the board in you then have to think about where i'm going to place my different uh the different uh, tiles onto the board and and worry about that piece of it this really is just the cards and everything that's interacting on the cards and i really really enjoy that now i don't know where i would land on a score but i i could see myself liking this actually better than arcanova um which wow. is which is maybe that might be my least favorite out of all of the ones that I've mentioned. Although I really like Arc Nova a lot. I think I gave it an eight and mm. I could see this being in that range or maybe even higher, but those issues that you're talking about, I, I totally get that. Now here's, here's a spin on that though. The problem I have with the BGA implementation, well, there's a couple of issues, you know, with programming on there. They'll they'll work out all the bugs on that. We did find a couple problems. One of our scoring cards, it was a scoring card, but the the programming for what the scoring card was supposed to do was different. And so Steve completed it, but it didn't give him the points because it had programmed a different scoring card in yeah. there. So so there were some issues with that. But besides that, I love being able to look out at everything and being able to see what's going on. You mm-hmm. can have an idea of the objective cards throughout and not have to scroll down. I can see what Steve has over on his board and not have to scroll down, right? Like that, I enjoy being able to see everything laid out. The other piece is I just joined in a game with Kelly and 
Kelly put it, the setting on the the more advanced game, and everybody mm-hmm. has an individual objective card, which I think is really interesting. There's also a race to the public objectives, which is really yes. interesting. And in, in the game that we played, you get ten points if you finish it. Period. Right. It doesn't matter what order. But there's a significant point jump in finishing first in in that advanced game, and I think I'm going to like that quite a bit better. Although I'm really thankful that we did the basic game first because it. it made it so much easier for us to understand. I agree with everything you said 100%. I think that they, once you do graduate to their regular or normal or advanced game, I think it has the potential to rise for me. All right, so that is our thoughts on Earth. Quite some lengthy thoughts there, some good thoughts. But again, just from one to two-ish plays, um, I, I want to come back to this, Steve, and maybe at, at ChuckCon we can get a game of this played on the table if somebody has it. I'd love to be able to see this played in person and then see kind of where we land at the end of that. That sounds so maybe great. We might have to have you back on at some point. Sounds All right, good. So we're going to be talking about some two-player games coming up. We are back, and we're talking about these two-player games. And uh, instead of doing a top five two-player games, we're going to be doing different categories, which I think is a little bit more interesting. This is, again, Steve's idea. came up with all the categories. Thank you for that, Steve. Oh, anytime. All right, so the first one we're going to do, and again, we're going to go through these fairly quickly. It's no more uh, hour and a half episodes from Meepletown now that Johnny <laughs> Johnny Longwind is gone. Uh, so the first category is going to be two-player card games, which this was a really difficult one. And what you consider yes. a card game is a bit of a challenge. But I went with imperial settlers specifically empires of the north and i know there's a little bit of fudge it's not a a full-on just card game but i felt like it's card heavy enough to to throw that in there but i love it at two player i i really enjoy this one solo as well the higher player counts really does add to the time so i I do prefer a, a smaller play count for this interesting interesting good choice um for me i have two practically inseparable ones that are just two player card games and I went for this looking at what are the games that I play all the time? What are the games that when I'm finished with Verla, I say, play, play it again. Send a rematch. And it's Targi and Jaipur. Uh, um, Jaipur is a trading card game where you're essentially collecting sets. Um, you're using camels to, to get things back and forth into the market. That would be my honorable mention. But Targi is just such a beautiful, clever game. Andy Steiger, I think, has created a masterpiece with that, with the crisscross of action selections. Um, just a brilliant card game. Yeah, totally agree with that. And it, you might be able to tell Steve's were both uh, two-player only games, but we'll have games on here like Imperial Settlers that are more than two players, but we just feel play really well. Yeah, I'll break that rule in the next category. That's that's right. And uh, we were actually, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this in a second. We were pretty, pretty tied there in this next category. But this is two-player strategy game. I landed on Lost Runes of Arnak, which I think is a, a great game at a lot of different player counts. But I think it scales really well. And I think two players is a great way to play this game. Um, it's a racing game, racing up the track, off to the side. You've got... Um, deck building along with worker placement, which are two of my favorite things combined. Some of my favorite games do this, including Imperial Settlers Empires of the North. And so I landed with Lost Runes of Arnak, specifically with the the expansion on this one. Although I don't think you have to have it. I just enjoy it. Okay. Longtime listeners will, of course, be shocked, shocked that Dean has this on the list. (laughs) Um, For me, the strategy game, I tended to go in the direction of something Euro-y. And for me, again, it's kind of a tie. Uh, This was the other choice that you had, Dean. Castles of Burgundy is an automatic rematch every single time. Um, Play that constantly. It's one that I didn't like to begin with. Very first time Alex taught it to me online, I thought, well, it's so much going on here. 
but you see it unfold, the puzzle of how you place things. It's just a, again, another brilliant, elegant game. I will always play that. And I don't mind the beige. The beige is fantastic. Um, <laughs> another that's in that kind of range there that's kind of maybe nipping at its heels is Grand Austria Hotel. Verla got me started on this one. Again, it's grown on me. I love that. It's a two to four player game, but everybody says don't play it at four. Too much. Three, I have played and it's good. Um, but apparently two, it could be a two player game and you'd be happy never playing it at another count. Excellent game. Totally agree with that. Those probably would have been my next two picks. Actually, Castles of Burgundy, uh, a, a little peek behind the scenes, is it was my number one, but we didn't. We can't have the same game, right? Sure, we can. In a two-player game, if both of us like it, we're golden. Very true. I will play Castles of Burgundy all the time. Two players is is usually the count that I play it at. All right, so pl- two-player for non-gamer. This one is a little bit more challenging for me, and I, I really like Steve's pick on this. But mine, I-, I had a reason for it. My pick is Foundations of Rome, um, which is a game that I absolutely love. It, I would put this in the gateway category for sure, but the thing I like about it is the more of the modules that you add in, it becomes a pretty thinky game, but you don't want to throw the kitchen sink in at the very beginning. You want to start with this base game, and I think it's perfect for beginners. One that I've introduced to my now 11-year-old, but he was 10 when I introduced this to him, and he really enjoyed it and, and grasped it easily. So, so that is my pick is Foundations of Rome. It's a solid choice. For me, I was struggling back and forth here, but ended up settling on King Domino. It was either King Domino or Can't Stop, and I ended up just deciding that Can't Stop, while it's it's fine at two, is better with more people chucking the dice and more people yelling at you, don't be a chicken, go ahead, roll again. But King Domino would be the choice here, because if you think dominoes, people have experience with that. People have the idea of laying down dominoes where you just have to connect a color. And it just adds that extra little layer of as you're creating larger and larger spaces, you have to multiply by how many crowns you've placed in that area. Uh, again, a brilliant little game. And it expands nicely. So if they, if people are getting into it, you can build up to a 7 by 7 instead of a 5 by 5 Excellent intro for a new gamer to the field in two-player games. Absolutely. My wife teaches games to, to her students. She teaches fifth graders. And I've uh, taught king domino great if, if people if, if you can understand times tables you can get this game i think agreed so yeah. anything beyond what third grade or maybe first grade these days i don't know when you learn multiplication but somewhere around the, <laughs> that age i think you can go even lower you can just say now that's worth three and just add up count by threes you oh could, that's true you could even make it go you could even make it you know for a younger range too yeah absolutely all right, good pick, King Domino. So now we're looking at two-player games with with your partner. Now, this one is a little bit of a challenge because you can go in a lot of different ranges depending on where your, your partner is in gaming. So I kind of went with, what's the game that my wife and I really enjoy playing the most these days? And I would say that's probably, I, I'll give this as a tie, Obsession is, is my number one pick, and probably because I maybe prefer it over some of these other ones. And Splinter Duel, which is one that we've been playing quite a bit. We both enjoy that. It's, it's a step above Splendor and thinkiness. There's a couple of extra layers that you have to think about, but I really, really enjoy this. It's getting high ratings. A lot of people prefer this over the original, and I, I don't disagree with that. I think it's a fantastic game. You, do, you prefer it that way too? I think so. I think I do. Although I really love, uh, we have the Marvel and the regular version. The regular version without the expansions. I don't have the, any of the expansion stuff with that. But we we really enjoy Marvel too. It's got a little extra layer of of um, thinkiness there that we quite enjoy. For me, for two players with a partner, for for my better two thirds, um, 
the game that she would be happy to play with me at the table. It's going to be a bit of an investment, but if you do make the investment, even if you have a non-hobby gaming partner, they will play it with you as Crokinole. Um, that one, when she said, when we played it first time over at Jake's house, she said, yeah, that's good. We could get that. And I, I, I thought, should I tell her how much it is? Or should we just go get one because she'd like to play it? But even after we talked about the price, she said, yeah, that would be good. And it comes out regularly, a dexterity biscuit flicking game. Uh, it's kind of like shuffleboard on a table, essentially, but with points for like sinking golf shots, I suppose, and caroming off things. My second choice here would be, and again, this kind of depends on your partner. This can be a very chill game, which was one of the categories we would have had if we could go on forever and ever. Maybe we'll put some of this on the on the guild or on the discord too, um, is patchwork. You could play this as a very uh, laid back partner game. And it, it really does, um, if your partner is comfortable with a little bit more of a gamerly aspect there, it's not a, not a huge overhead of learn of rules to learn from, but essentially tile placement, filling up a board, very lovely. And it's one that, again, that is an auto rematch with me and Verla all the time. One of Earl's favorites for sure. This is a this is a great pick. I, I totally agree with that. We uh, this could have been on on several of the lists that I had. My wife and I really enjoy patchwork as well. Crokinole is interesting. John Johnny Meepletown actually just picked up a board at Tennessee Game Days from from listener Jamie uh, Epstein, who is uh, uh, a frequent listener. They he picked it up from him, and and John said, "I don't know if I'm going to like this." I said, "Go ahead and buy it. One, you'll love it, and two, if you don't." I, I'll probably buy it and find somebody else to to get it in the hands of because it's a it's a phenomenal game. Completely agree. In our group, in our gaming group up here, family to family to family fell like dominoes buying crokinole boards. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I totally get that. All right. So the last category that we have is the the maybe the most challenging one of these for me to pick from. That is two player competitive or take that games. I'm going to, I've got four different options here and I'm going to go with the last one that I have in there Okay, is Blitzkrieg, which is a, a two player only game. Uh, it's a quote unquote war game. It, it's not really, it doesn't feel like a war game, but it is a, a World War II theme game. There's also an expansion with, uh, with Godzilla in it, uh, if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, but in this game, you are taking tiles from your bag and you're placing them out on the board and where the take that comes into play is in a lot of ways there's so much interaction in this when i place it uh, a tile on the board it's going to move the needle over to my side away from you and so i'm going to get benefits from that but also there's some places on the board when i place this you are no longer going to be able to have three tiles to choose from now you have two tiles to choose from Mm, okay you can actually eliminate the other player that way if they don't have any tiles to choose from then they're out of the game but it's not to take that. It is, but it's not like it's not mean, I guess. And and I just I really really love this game quite a bit. I I prefer this over the new Caesar version too. Oh, you do? Okay, good. I like Caesar a lot too, but I think Blitzkrieg is the is the choice for me. Okay, interesting call there. I went back and forth on this one, and it's it's only because I'm playing I'm playing more of my runner up here recently, simply because I think it's a newer game and and other people are more interested online. My runner-up was Seven Wonders Duel, and the take that in that or the competitive nature of that is, do I uncover something for you or do I make you uncover something for me in that that layout of cards that's kind of like um, some covered, some not, some some visible, some hidden. That has an awful lot of competition in there where you're pulling and pushing on on some of the the, uh, military track too. 
but I'm, my first choice is the one that still feels the most competitive and t- competitive and take that to me is Lost City- Cities. It's not really in your face competition, but it's more passive aggressive competitive take that. I'm holding cards in my hand and you're collecting things and you've laid out some some uh, investments in the green color hoping that green's going to come out. And I see, oh, I've got five greens cards in my hand. I'm going to hold these and just make you sweat. You're going to keep drawing through the deck, hoping that it's going to come. And then you see me play a green and you think, oh, dang, he's going to go on a run. So that idea of that being the hidden, what do you have versus what's still to come in the deck makes Lost Cities a dead simple game by Reiner Knizia, a real good two-player competitive passive aggressive take that game yeah it's it's a fantastic game my wife and i really enjoy that one there's a lot of are you kidding me with that you know, yeah, that's of- that's exactly it <laughs> that's exactly it all right well hopefully those are some good options for you if you're looking at some some two-player games which steve and i both play a lot of uh, two-player games so hopefully that helps you choose some new games to check out but steve tell people how they can get in touch with you if they would like to to reach out to you well they should probably reach out through board game gumbo and get in touch with bj which will go to me and verla and everybody um board game gumbo on twitch uh board game gumbo on facebook um, that's the way to find us. And we'll hopefully see you on Tuesdays for live plays on Twitch and on alternating Tuesdays for interviews with people coming up in the in the field. Yeah, Thank you so much for joining us, Steve. It is such a joy to have you on. Hopefully we can do this again in the future. If you would like to get in touch with myself or, or maybe even Johnny Meepletown, if he's you know sneaking around in the any of these places, you can get in touch with us at the our, our Discord channel. You can find us on the Board Game Geek Guild number 3407. Reach out to us through Twitter, through Facebook, through Instagram. That is at Meepletown Games. Uh, or you can just send an email to us at uh, meepletownmail at gmail.com. If you have any questions you want us to talk about on the show, we'd love to get to them. And until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. So long, everybody.